Welcome to another edition of The Exchange presented by Confederation Group. Uh, I'm Sam McPhail, as always, joined with Blake Doyle, my co-host. Um, he's sporting a new shirt for those who can see it. Uh, <laughs> must have had the print and press running last night, a nice exchange t-shirt, or golf shirt. Um, yeah, what's, what's new today, Blake? Just the limited edition uh, athletic wear that we have. We have our own <laughs> now uh, line of clothing, and we are taking online orders uh, using Shopify back end. So contact pivot, Sam if you'd like to get your pivoting our business strategy during tough times trying to make find new revenue sources yeah as everybody it's tough yeah. and uh, you know business having a tough time adapting to this as well Definitely. Um, so I, no I, no guests today but we do have some interesting topics that have kind of been I guess sparking the minds of Twitter warriors and those alike um, one big one is kind of the idea behind We've talked about it minimally before, but the idea behind getting people back into the workforce post-COVID, especially with, or even during, like when they try to jumpstart the economy because CERB is so uh, incentivizing or EI is incentivizing because they can make essentially the same amount of money if, if you were working at for minimum wage. Um, so that's been on the minds of a lot of people and there's, the discussion goes both ways, but um, I think business business people have a different opinion than those sitting at home uh, not doing as much. So what's, what's your take on that, Blake? Yeah, it's an interesting social uh, policy issue, really. So I think business owners are, they've got a lot of problems. It's this very frustrating environment. Um, in many cases, their expenses have not stopped. Certainly rental expenses, oil, electricity, there's been no rebates for those, uh, for many people. And just as the economy is starting to reopen, we've got this sort of gentle, phased-in approach. The issue now becomes how do you get your staff back, recommitted and mobilized to kind of support this potential uh, growth that we might experience in a small, small phases. Um, and a lot of times, you know, at the service sector sort of jobs, uh, there's a, at, at worst, it, it's more um, constructive to stay at home on some of these benefits. Uh, or in some cases, even if it's at the margin, you may not want to compromise your health uh, situation to resume your working environment when you have these other alternatives. So I think these are some of the complications that happen with, with rapid policy development. Um, you know, the government responded very quickly, which I'm glad they did. They needed to, to kind of stabilize the situation. But now to jumpstart the economy, that's the, the key. And actually this weekend in the newspaper, we talk about and compare it to uh, jumpstarting a car battery. I think there's the a lot longer of idle, there, the more difficult it is to yeah, I mean, what uh, are you hearing anything, Sam? There's some, been some posts um, on Twitter. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'm not sure who. I don't. We're not going to single out anybody, but the idea behind some the, there's two kind of sides to it. One is the pro, like more pro business, um, let's get the economy going, and the other one's more the uh, well, they're not getting paid enough anyways. Um, so that's a whole other can of worms to open to say, well, they should be getting paid more than minimum wage. Like this isn't a living wage, so why wouldn't they stay at home? But I think what we're seeing, even I've seen. Uh, a couple farmers posting just kind of funny tweets about offering this much for a job and then people would reply and say well I'll do it for cash you can do it for cash because they want to get their either EI or the CERB and also work on the side for cash but that's not that's not that's not beneficial to anybody the whole idea is to be on payroll and to pay the payroll taxes so the government can keep functioning so I think that that's kind of what I've seen is that people are getting very comfortable with CERB um, and I get all the power to them um, I think the idea of getting $2,000 a month is great, but when you actually factor in how much taxes you should be taking off that, it's not as much as it would be when you go, let's say, to work 40 hours a week. Um, so the gross number, it sounds very incentivizing, but come tax time, it'll be maybe not so incentivizing. 
you know, there's some uh, constituents like, you know, in your demographic, Sam, so students who are working in service center jobs, a lot of those are restaurant based, um, maybe low pay, uh, but you also get tips and gratuities with that. Now, in this new environment, the gratuities are going to be as, you know, relative to the pace of business, which is going to be slower. So you start to weigh, you know, the, the low wage plus diminished tips, and it may make sense to, you know, continue the serve benefit. And then that's going to really be a challenge for businesses because we're being at the point to reach labor. Business will not do this in any event, and then have a restriction on labor is just going to compound the challenges, I think. And I would agree. Um, the idea of getting people back into the workforce when they are only making, I guess it'd be different for servers probably due to the fact there's incentive, incentive tips, but um, there won't be as many tips, obviously, with less tourism PEI. Um, but also, why would someone go work, let's say, at a retailer for minimum wage when they could stay at home and do, this, do nothing and get paid the same or more? So do you, do you, I guess what I would be asking is would you have like, what do, what do you suggest that employers do to bring people back into the workforce? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, business employers are, are challenged with the environment. They're challenged by, you know, some government policies which were offered in the best of intentions. You know, maybe there's a way for people to transition off CERB, um, maybe extend some of these benefits, including some of the rental rebates that have been offered maybe some of the incentives to get employees back on. So, you know, maybe there's this transition period where people can reacquaint themselves with the labor market while not losing all of their, or having their, their serve benefits, uh, you know, dovetail down. So I don't think there's a good solution, but you've got to get people back to the economy and the economy have, has enough trouble as it is to restart. Uh, you don't need, you know, artificial barriers kind of preventing that restart. In the U.S. today, they just announced the uh, jobless claims, which was 3.8 million. So there's 30 million people in the U.S. that have filed claims for unemployment insurance in the last six weeks. Uh, the U.N. suggests that as much as half the global workforce is going to be affected by this COVID situation. And we've seen similar sort of unemployment numbers here on PEI and domestically. So, you know, you need to get people back engaged. If you don't, then you don't have the, um, the incentive to spend money and to jumpstart this economy. So there's a lot of complications. And uh, the benefits, although great at their inception, now we have to stimulate the demand side and ensure that people are uh, you know, encouraged to stimulate the economy. It's going to be the consumer that's going to start this thing back up. Yeah. And like I've, even personally, I've noticed not you leave the house once or twice a week to get gas or groceries or whatever, but you're spending yeah. overall a lot less money on food and like going to the movies or going to the bar or doing whatever. You, like there's a lot more money in my pocket at the end of the week or at, at, every two weeks when I get, let's say we get paid because of the lack of spending you've done or lack of consuming you've done at different establishments across PEI and Charlottetown. Yeah, missed you a bit there. There's some latency probably on both ends. Uh, but yeah, the, these are big challenges that government has to work in tandem with business and it can't be one body to kind of drive this. It's gotta be the health consideration uh, paired with the business uh, motivation paired with the government start the economy and everybody's everybody's intention i think so have you uh, you had a look at this phased in approach uh, any thoughts on you know how government and particularly the the, uh, the 
public chief health officer is going to re-establish economic activity? Um, I like overall, it's it's welcoming news. So phase one starts tomorrow um, on the first of May, and then I think phase two is the twenty second, and then phase three, which is when it kind of actually opens up to more tourism per se, like campgrounds or uh, amusement parks, whatever the case may be. That's on June twelfth, I believe, um, where they allow like larger get not huge gatherings, but bigger gatherings. Um, so phase one is good. I love the idea of it. They might not. They, obviously, it's hard to be prepared due to how fast this is going and evolving. Um, but one thing I noticed is that people think, oh, May 1st, everything's open. So I think tomorrow we're going to see droves of people walking about doing whatever they feel they want to do, even though it's only limited, limited things. You're less than five people in a house or less than five people from different houses. Um, and it's the real only business sense that opened is golf courses is the big one and uh, recreational fishing too is open. So obviously you can social distance a little bit in those. There's kind of a fine line especially from my background in golf, um, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I see it as a good thing for mental health and for business practice, but I don't see it as a good thing for, uh, flattening the curve, I guess, because there is going to be people abusing that. And the idea behind, uh, having one person in a golf cart, let's say that's great in theory until you get to the green when people are a foot away tapping in a putter, doing whatever. Um, so I think the government is in the process of putting out a plan for specifically golf courses to say, here's exactly what you have to do and we'll follow it as close as possible. Like obviously all these practices are in place, but some of them just aren't uh, logical, I guess. Like for example, at the hospital, um, you're going to be in closer than two feet with a nurse or whatever. So you're, you're, or you have to kind of take it in stride that you're doing your best you can to obey the rules of social distancing, but it's not always totally practical. But have you there? You can hear me? I'm okay. back. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah so we're doing a bit of, bit of latency issues, but we're doing okay. Um, yeah, so I think overall golf courses opening is a good thing. It'll put a lot of stress on the golf course operators and owners, but I think it'll we'll see the benefit of it that people can kind of get out and see a little light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of investment. These operators, it's a lot of investment to start up your business. It's the same with the restaurants and retail. You know, there's big operational investments. And hope uh, activity viable to open. You know, it, it's uh, I think yeah, I'm concerned for how many businesses are going to get through this this seasonal period. And then I'm so we try to navigate this uh, late fall winter period. So tough time for businesses. Very tough time. I think we'll just see the how the phases get rolled out and how well they work. Um, so hopefully all goes well there. Another topic that kind of maybe got skimmed over in news would be the idea around what are the parents with small children doing at home because there's no daycares open, but they're required to work from home. Um, and I think there was announcements for in terms of government and that phase two is of this, the government's approach is going to allow daycares to open. But for the time being, it's still the idea behind, well, what did, what did they do the past six weeks? How are they going to work the 35 hours a week if they have to look after a two-year-old at home or a couple two-year-olds? Um, so I think not that there was a perfect solution for that, but I think that was kind of one segment of the population that was overlooked as parents with small children. And then, you know, I, I saw, if I've got this correct, I think Quebec are opening up elementary schools. A portion of that decision might be to support childcare so that people can get back into the labor market. And, um, you know, people are trying to adapt to this situation. Uh, people do need childcare if they're going to functionally adapt back into the productive work environment. 
but uh, kids are vectors. And by vectors, that's somebody who kind of it may not feel the effects of COVID, but if it's in the environment, they're gonna catch it and they're gonna transmit it and it's gonna move around through those, uh, those people. I think we've been very fortunate that we have contained this quite well. Uh, it's not gone away. And I think reopening the economy, which is important, is not a matter of flattening the curve, but now starting to manage the curve. And I think we will see, as you suggested, there'll be increased incidents again, unfortunately, because of uh, opening things up. And I think they're gonna turn big it off and try to tighten things back down. So I, I sort of put this economic journey is gonna be a bumpy ride. We're gonna come up, expand, we're gonna come back. It's really tough for businesses to navigate that. Uh, if the you know, underlying uh, focus is health, then uh, that's what we're gonna endure for the next, I don't know, eight quarters. Yeah, it, and then like they always use the word unprecedented, but it, that's that's what it means. It's never happened before. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't we can't guess the trends of the next six months or whatever because we don't. It's never happened. We can't base it on historical data. Um, I think everyone's kind of being a little more optimistic now, maybe than they were six weeks ago. That we're all in this together, but all in this together doesn't pay the bills when there's no tourism dollars or businesses just can't open. Yeah, and that's a the big policy problem that uh, not only the current government but government for several successive uh, elections are going to have to deal with. There's going to be big financial sort of ramifications to surviving this, which we have to do, and government are doing the right things to step in. Um, but we've got to get off that as fast as we can, and recovering the economy is part of that solution. Exactly. So I mean, they, May 1st, <laughs> I'm just going to say things are going to open up. You couldn't have contained people much longer. No. As soon as the weather breaks, people are going to be released. So uh, they're lucky the weather kind of stayed cool, uh, and they, they, you know, whether it was formally open or not, I think the uh, teenagers are going to be loose in the wild anyway. Um, anything going to change for you now with the, you know, are you going to get in the golf course immediately? What are um, I think actually I have a tea time tomorrow afternoon, <laughs> but like at like four or five, five o'clock, I think just for nine holes maybe. But um, I don't know. It's, it'll change a little bit of stuff, but I think like you said, it'll be the younger demographic that have just been, are the social types that are just cooped up all the last six weeks. And it's driving them nuts not to see their friends. Yes, we have virtual communication, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever the case may be. But it's not the same as, uh, I guess, it's not the same to, to make fun of your friends over the phone as it is in person. No, I've got uh, a young guy, actually two kids, two kids in grade six. So they're going to miss their graduation. But I feel really bad for the post-secondary guys like yourself and girls. Uh, May 10th would have been convocation weekend. Uh, I really feel is Ballet Victorian, and now what have the opportunity to do that? How are people, and you're graduating from UPEI, you know, I guess technically. In, in a week, it would have been a week from today. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a double whammy for me because my birthday is May 5th. So two, two monumentous occasions in the same week next week. So anyway, I'll, I'll do my best. Maybe, uh, maybe you can send me whatever gift you got me from afar. <laughs> but, right. Um, It'll be a lo lone oak delivery. <laughs> there you go. Um, actually, I have more to come on my valedictorian address, so don't worry. There will be a, a an online oh, version, so we'll we'll, we'll link that in with other people. But um, it's it's I don't really like at the start. I was kind of bummed out, but now I'm like I'd rather people be safe and not have to risk it. Or if they kept saying, "Oh, we might have it," and then the, a week before they cancel it, I'm glad they canceled it early on and said, "We're not doing this. It's unsafe." Um, and it's obviously a tough decision for uh, the faculty and the president of the university because. I don't know how, I don't know what the number of graduating students are, but there's quite a, a couple hundred or even more. Oh, yeah, um, thousands. Yeah, that, probably a thousand. It's just on PEI alone that are thinking, oh well, this sucks. Um, 
you have to take in consideration all of them. Think of the international students. We have a large, probably close to a quarter of our students are international students that even if you headed in this fall, they're not going to come back from right. Vietnam or China or India just to do that. Obviously, they might stay in Canada, but they're not going to travel back to PEI in the fall in a cold, cold November day for a, gra a graduation ceremony. Well, it's a nice culmination of the effort you put in for many years, in this case, four years, to complete your degree. So if all you get is a congratulations, there you go. Here's yeah, they, your congratulations <laughs> on your graduation. So, <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll use my, my uh, certificate and I'll put it in the office whenever we get back to that. Or my uh, whatever you call yes. it. Yes. Well, I hope we, paper. hope we get back soon. I, I think uh, we've adapted well. Many companies have. But we do need to reconnect and we need to uh, see the economy rebound just to you know, provide, uh, you know, viable environment for people so it'd be interesting uh i'm really kind of curious how this rollout works and how um you know operational costs like labor how that adapts to this circumstance how businesses can can maybe not thrive but survive which is i think is the key to try to get through this period um it's gonna be very very difficult uh, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to see they were transitioning and some people might choose not to open but at least those that want to attempt it have that option yeah, and they might, through trial and error, they might see, oh, it wasn't worth it, let's close again. Um, I know one place that will be bumping on May 22nd is uh, barbershops. That's when you're allowed to open up and get your hair cut. So I will be probably first in line. Uh, it's been pre getting pretty shaggy, but I'll amend that's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I guess I could set up my own barbershop, maybe, and we could just do that at the side of the, side of the road. Uh, we're fortunate that we had some clippers, so we've stayed um, <laughs> trimmed a bit. Anyway. That's good. I wouldn't want your hair getting in your eyes. No, it's staying out. You know, rugby's going to start soon. I'm waiting for the uh, call. health officer to pick that date, and we're hoping it's July. So we're nice. good. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things people are looking forward to. Obviously, with like country concerts getting canceled or whatever the case may be, uh, there's other things to look forward to, whether it's camping trips or, like we mentioned before on the show, staycations. Like, oh, we're going to Mill River for the weekend for a golf trip. We're going to, I don't know, Point Prim for supper tonight. Just little things that you're able to do that you might not have done because you can't go to Montreal or you can't go to down south or wherever the case may be so things to look forward to for sure yeah well uh look forward to the weekend May 1st and start of some uh relaxed socialization still pretty limited but uh it's a good first step and hopefully the curve doesn't change I think the healthcare providers have been you know on standby waiting for calamities to occur they haven't we've been really lucky we hope they don't and, uh, you know, if they keep the borders reasonably tight and people are sensitive to not exposing others, if they feel they're experiencing symptoms and you can't escape this. So, I mean, one of the quotes I use in The Guardian is, you know, we don't want the virus to kind of drive us. We want to kind of drive our adaptation to the virus. And I think we're in a good position to do that. I'll be driving golf balls tomorrow. So it's full circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to probably end for today. Um, we, we don't want too much of our voices ruining people's airways, but um, yeah, we'll be back hopefully early next week with another episode. We have a, we have a good guest lined up for Monday, actually. Uh, people know him pretty well, I would say, Ooh. or maybe even two. Then we might be a, it might be a combo pack. We're not sure yet, <laughs> but we have one for sure. Anyways, this yeah, is it's good. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's gone for a minute, but yeah, we've got All good. A, a good, uh, a great guest the first of the week that can talk about, um, you know, has political experience, maybe there, Sam, but you're still, am I yeah, breaking up good, yeah. No, but I think what we say, well, he has political experience, actually both of them do, technically, if we can get both of them on at the same time. Um, 
for one certain party, but we won't discuss what party that is. But they leadership roles, no matter where they've gone um, yeah. throughout their careers. So a lot of experience, a lot of insights coming on Monday's edition of the show. So this has been another episode of The Exchange presented by Confederation Group. I'm Sam McPhail, Blake Doyle, signing off, <laughs> showing the merch. Um, <laughs> if you want a t-shirt, let us know. We'll get you one. But yeah, this has been another episode. Um, we will see you early next week. Have a good one. Oh, 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 oh